Welcome to the Government Ops Podcast. I'm Rob Anderson, City Manager of the City of Fairborn. And I'm Megan Howard, Communications Manager for the City of Fairborn, and we are the hosts of the Government Ops Podcast. So you may ask yourself, what is the Government Ops Podcast? And really, it's trying to give everybody an overview of the different city departments, uh, what those departments do, what programs we offer, what services we have here. Uh, we're really excited to have folks understand and learn what we do as employees. I think there's a lot of questions that we get about our operations and what uh, what exactly we're doing at times. Uh, some of those are positive questions. Some are a little different, but uh, we want to really excited to share kind of not only the departments, but also the people that we have, uh, the wonderful folks that do everything on a daily basis. So if uh, you're ready for this. I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, so let's get this episode going. podcast. I'm Rob Anderson, city manager of the city of Fairborn. And I'm Megan Howard, communications manager for the city of Fairborn. And on today's podcast, we are talking with Melissa Dodd. She is our new finance director. Welcome. Happy to be here, guys. How are you, Melissa? I'm great. Good. So today we're going to talk about the finance department. And before anybody logs off this podcast, (laughs) it's going to be very exciting. So please continue to listen, all 16 followers. Hopefully we get more than 400 Mm -hmm. downloads. We're getting there. We are building and we're building quickly. Uh, so we want to talk today about finance, which I think a lot of people maybe don't understand everything that the finance department does and how important all those functions are. Uh, so let's just do just a brief overview of kind of the finance department's role in the organization, if you don't mind, Melissa. Okay, so what the finance department does um, in general is that they create the budget alongside the city manager for approval by city council. So that's the biggest piece of it. And then it's just managing it from there. So what we do um, on a regular basis or on a daily basis is uh, we take in all the revenues for the city and monitor those as well as um, we facilitate the payment of all the city's expenses. So those are the two big functions of the, the finance department. Okay, so not like so like every... You know, like every business has a finance office, they pay bills, they take in receipts, uh, that kind of stuff. No different in the city than any normal business, just maybe the magnitude is probably a little different, right? You got it. Okay. No different. So the one, the one thing I want to clear up before we really get into any detail on this is I know a lot of the comments that we get on social media have to do with the amount of property taxes that residents pay. And I understand there are a lot of property taxes and, you know, it's an inevitable part of what we do. Uh, but... Talk a little bit about, so of of every dollar of property tax one of our residents pays, how much of that does the city get? Is Because it's something they complain about. I want to make sure they understand how much or how little we get of that. So it's about 16 cents for every dollar, which is really surprising to a lot of people. A lot of people think that their property tax just goes straight to the city, but actually it's divided up and it goes different places. So uh, the biggest share of it goes to the uh, school district. So school districts levy um, for property taxes. The county also does. And uh, then we just get kind of a small share of that. So about 16 cents uh, for every dollar is what the city actually gets. So it's not like it's not an insignificant amount. I'm not saying it's it's pennies, but it's, you know, when they look at the tax bill that they get every year after pay twice a year, it's really only a portion of that's coming to us. Exactly. Okay. While we're on that topic, let's talk just very briefly about sources of revenue for cities. Um, you know, you, you mentioned property taxes, uh, but that's not our primary source of, of income here. Can you talk about what some of the other sources are and what our main source of income is here? Yes. Yeah, so there are a number of different uh, sources for revenue. Uh, the biggest is the income tax. So the income tax is what uh, the residents pay for um 
a portion of their salaries and wages, and then businesses pay a portion of their profits to the income tax as well. And then we also have uh, collections for our different utilities. So water, sewer, trash, we bring in revenues for all those too. Okay. So those are our main sources of revenue. So when you talk about income tax, I want people to understand you typically pay where you work in Ohio. So if you work in Fairborn and live in Fairborn, then we get your income tax. If you work in another community that has an income tax, you pay there first, correct? Correct. So okay. we have forgiveness up to 2%. So if you are working for the city of Dayton and they have a 2% income tax, we will forgive that 2% tax and you would just pay to Dayton. So you don't get doubly taxed. It's not like you pay in Dayton where you work and then pay when you come home to the city of Fairborn. We give what's called a credit and we allow them to pay that tax in Dayton and we don't double tax them. Correct. But okay. if they paid one and a half percent to the city of Dayton, because that's their rate, then they would pay us a half a percent to make up for that 2%. Okay. So they're going to pay 2% regardless whether it's at another location or they'll split it in a portion there and a portion here. Exactly. Okay. Is that 0%? I mean, the forgiveness, is that across the board with how most communities work or is, I mean, is that something kind of unique to us? So it varies. I know that there are other municipalities in the area that offer that same, it's called reciprocity is what it is. So uh, different city councils can, you know, kind of set that based on what their needs are, but that's usually okay. typical. Okay. Okay. Um, we make the presentation at budget time every year about the different funds and how we use fund accounting here. Um, can you talk a little bit about what fund accounting is and how somebody could maybe think of it in their own personal life? Like what is a fund accountant? So basically what that is, is it means that we have to have different funds, which is usually dictated by Ohio revised code so that we can segregate money from uh, other money so that we can properly account for it. We can demonstrate that it's being used for the purpose that it's supposed to be used for, because again, uh, the state dictates a lot of that. So um, we have three different types of funds. We have our governmental funds, we have our proprietary funds, and then custodial funds. Okay. So of those three categories, there's about 62 funds that the city has. Okay. So, and you mentioned they're broken down into different categories. Is that because of the revenue that's generated into those funds, or is it because of the special purpose of those funds? Is it all of that? Is it only some of that? Can you explain a little bit about that? Yeah. So it, it basically has to do with the source of the funds. So our governmental funds that comes from our property taxes our income taxes, and those can be used for any purpose at all. Uh, our proprietary funds are basically what our utilities generate. So they're charges for service and they can only be spent to support those uh, services. So when we bring in money for water, we can only use that for the water department. Um, okay. And then we have custodial funds, which is like uh, the money that we bring in and we just hold it for a purpose. So uh, renters have to pay deposits for their utility bills. Okay. So we bring that money in and we hold it until we can release it back to them once they final out their account. Okay. So for example, if we've, let's say we raise our water rates and that generates a surplus in that water fund, we can't just say, oh, we've got this extra money in the water department. We want to spend it on a new fire truck. That's not how that works, right? Nope, that's not how that works. It can only be used to support the fund that it was intended for and it came from or came into, I should say. So same thing with fire and police. They have their own property tax or they have their own uh, property tax levies as well as income tax levies and those go to just support those services. Okay, so there, while there's a lot of money, it's segregated and it's in different areas and we can't necessarily cross spend. If exactly. Like okay, so 
you know, if you if you hear about one thing that's going on, um, you know, so example, the water, let's use the water department. Again. If there's a surplus in the water department, we can make a purchase that is helping the water department. So if they needed a truck to do something with the water utility, that's something we could spend that on. It doesn't just have to be for the facility and the pipes and everything, right? Yep, exactly. Okay. Any other right. operations, we could hire more staff with that to support the operation, buy equipment, you know, uh, allocate it towards some projects, whatever that, we would need. And it's an important job that you do as the finance director and that the finance department does is to forecast what we think we're going to need over time. So um, talk a little bit about that. So we, you know, we don't raise our water rates every year. We don't raise our sewer rates every year. We have a plan in place where we say, okay, we think we're going to need something on X day. Talk a little bit about how that how that happens. Okay, so each year around budget time, which is what we're uh, in right now, is there is a four year or a five year forecast that is done, just to be able to project out just kind of what we need, what we think we're going to bring in based on historically um, anything that we know is coming up, like maybe there's a levy renewal or something like that. Uh, maybe we know that we would need a rate increase. We look out just to be able to kind of anticipate those kinds of things, whether or not we're going to start to fall short and we need to either cut our expenditures or look for new ways to bring in revenue. Um, we have to forward think because it's it's a lot of the things that we do take a lot of time. If we were to put on a new levy or increase rates, we need to do that slowly and in front of the public with the public process uh, involved with council. So a lot of those things we can't adjust on the fly. So we need to be able to do that uh, long-term planning. Okay. Interesting. I mean, I told you it was going to be exciting today, right? This is really good stuff. So let's talk a little bit about then you mentioned that we make all the, pur you make all the purchases for the city. Um, there's very strict guidelines with regard to purchasing. It's not like we just have cash laying around in bags and we go where we want and buy whatever we need, right? I mean, talk a little bit about the the fine detail that goes into making a purchase. And it's not just as random and as, as uh, I'll say, underhanded as people think it might be. Yeah, so the state, again, uh, state dictates pretty much everything that we do in terms of process. So what we what we have is, you know, we have our different funds that have the money in them. And if somebody wants to go out and make a purchase, they have to submit for a purchase order. And the finance department is able to look to make sure that if you want to buy 100 widgets, that we have enough money to buy those 100 widgets. And so the purchase order is approved and then they're free to go out and buy their widgets. And if a purchase exceeds, let's say it's a large piece of equipment. Uh, or it's a big project that we're trying to do that we need to pay. And it's a large sum of money. It's over $50,000. That's not just something we can say, I'm going to go pay Joe Smith over there to do this project. We have to go through a formal process to get what is the best price, right? Yep. So the state also dictates that. And then that's also reinforced by uh, council ordinance or codified ordinances. So anything over $50,000 has to go out to bid. So that's uh, the public is, you know, notified that there is this project coming up, they're able to bid. And then uh, the lowest and best bid is what that project uh, would be awarded to that particular vendor. But what's really cool about Fairborn is that they also have an ordinance for a Fairborn First initiative. Right. So that means that uh, when that, that bidding process happens, if it's a local Fairborn business, they get a little bit of um, a credit in that bid consideration in order to uh, give them a slight advantage over anybody that's not uh, in Fairborn. That's great. So if there's a Fairborn business that's competing with others 
and everything is essentially the same, maybe there's a slight difference, we would try to pick that fair warm business if possible. Yep, they would be given a preference. Okay, great. Before we get on to the other divisions within the finance department, you mentioned the state auditor, the auditor, the state auditor. Um, our books are reviewed just like everyone else, right? So talk about the audit process um, and kind of what that entails and how, you know, we're not just doing stuff over here just like we want to. We have, again, it's part of the, the whole uh, following the rules type process that we need to be part of. So the audit, I think that most people probably just feel like when an audit happens, they come in, they make sure all your numbers match up and, you know, they pack their bags and leave. And that's not the case. They they really thoroughly also audit processes just to make sure that um, the way that we do things is also appropriate. So it's not just the numbers and the bottom line and making sure that everything's posted and money isn't hidden under mattresses somewhere. Right. But they also look at processes just to make sure that things are being done properly. So it's a very thorough audit and it happens on an annual basis. And so if there was anything going on, if there's any funny business that would be caught either by the finance department or the, the audit would certainly reveal that. Absolutely. So they, they test for different things every year. So it's never the same thing that they look at. They look at a number of different things from different ways. So it's always changing also. So you never know what they're going to ask for or sure. look at. And it it's very thorough. Okay, good. I'll just, I'll just put everybody, uh, you know, when they say we're corrupt, I'll, just shoot them the podcast link and there you go. <laughs> Never mind. Just take a listen, and it's a lot harder than you think it is to be corrupt. And our audit history has been impeccable, right? Mm -hmm. So we've had super clean audits. We win the auditor's award about every year for having flawless audits where we follow our processes. They don't make any major findings. I mean, sure, there's little nitpicky things about, uh, but nothing substantive that would be alarming to anyone. Correct? Yes. We're, Audits have been wonderful, which is great. I mean, it's always something to be really proud of whenever you can come out with a clean audit. Yeah, good. Okay. And is Rob Anderson a crook? I would say no. Okay. I mean, <laughs> was, we do get that comment a lot, yeah. Even if he was, it'd be hard for him to really be a crook. That's, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Let's talk about another division within the finance department that I think um, most people interact with, and that would be utilities. Um, we're, I tout whenever I talk economic development, we're a full service city. What does that mean? So that means that we are able to provide a number of services above and beyond just the basic streets and police, which is what most every municipality has. Right. Not every municipality has fire, not every municipality has their own utilities. So we are, uh, fortunate enough to have water sewer, and then we contract out for trash, but it's provided. Okay. So we have, so water and sewer. Um, when somebody moves to Fairborn or they rent a new place or they buy a house, they have to come to you and set up a, an account, correct? Yep. They call up and they say what date they need to start and we get them all set up and transitioned over and we can usually just do it right over the phone in a matter of minutes. And then we do monthly billing of our services or as I know some communities will do less frequent, some do quarterly, or we're monthly billing here in Fairborn. Yep, monthly billing, uh, which is nice. And we have uh, three different districts. So uh, depending on where you live, your bill might be due on a different date than maybe somebody that you know that lives cross town. Sure. So not everybody's rushing to pay their bill at one time. Yep. Helps our staff to not have to be overwhelmed. Definitely. Okay. Um, when somebody needs to pay a bill, can you talk about the different methods they can use to pay that bill? 
Yep. So we can, you can, um, pay your bill over the phone. You can pay it online. You can drop it in one of the drop boxes that we have. We have one that's uh, right behind the building. You can drive up. It's a little circle driveway. You don't even have to get out of your car to do that. Throw it in there after hours. Um, with the phone and the online payment methods, we do not charge credit card fees for the customers. So that's a free wow. service, which is really nice. That's great. A lot of people pass on the credit card fees, which can you know be a burden to some. So yeah, you can pay online phone or you can drop it off or actually you can walk up to the window and talk to one of our super awesome utility staff and they'll be willing to help you out. So if you need to talk to a friendly face, come on to the water department and pay your bill. You can absolutely okay. do that. And I also know we have a form that people can fill out if they want it automatically deducted. Yes. Um, which is super helpful when uh, your husband gets the emails for your water and you don't. Uh, and you don't pay your water bill. Yes. They come to shut your water off, which is super fun. Never a good thing. So yeah, you can have an automatic deduction and that doesn't cost anything either. So it'll come straight out of your checking account each and every month on the day that you pick. So let's talk about the water shutoff. So there are times where people have struggled, cannot pay their water bill. Uh, we don't shut them off right away. It's not like you don't pay your water bill on Monday. We're not out there on Tuesday shutting your water off. There's some grace period that we give folks. We allow them to go for a a period of time, understanding that people have some can have some issues and may have some struggles. Talk about how we work with people to do that. I know we've, you know, it's something we're not trying to be, uh, you know, terrible people here. We're not. We understand. We will work with people. They can set up payment plans. They can do any different things to stay current on their bill. Correct. Yes. So we do try to work with people. And like you said, nobody is shut off the next day after a bill is due. We understand that life happens to people. So um, what we'll do is uh, we will send somebody out and we'll put what's called a red tag on somebody's door. And it just says, hey, forgot to pay your bill. Please do that. That would be awesome. And if you don't, then, um, you know, you could possibly be shut off. But sure. give us a call if you need us. And like you said, we can set up payment plans. Um, work with people as much as we possibly can, uh, which is why the, the staff is so great down there to come and talk to. Um, but uh, there is a grace period. It's, I believe, seven days before, you know, if you don't pay your bill, then you could you could potentially be disconnected. And, and the key there is to please contact us if you're having problems, because not only will we work with you, but we have we know of other resources. If somebody is really struggling, I know our folks have actually put them in contact with some other local nonprofits and other groups in town that can help them with their payments if needed. Absolutely. So I had the uh, great pleasure of being a utility billing clerk a few weeks ago. And um, just right there next to the phone, there's a list of area organizations that are able to provide assistance. And we absolutely can give that information out to somebody that needs it and needs a little bit of help. Uh, before you got here, Melissa, we went through a process of exchanging all of our uh, meter reading apparatus. So uh, we had a system where it required a truck to go around and could get a read of the everybody's meters. So we weren't necessarily going door to door. We swapped that system out and now have a system that automatically notifies us. And so we don't even have to send anybody out to do a read. It's all connected. It's all part of the uh, connected as part of the utility and it comes right to us. Uh, so the water bills are actual every month, uh, depending on the, the quarter that you're in. And then we have also a technology that's helpful to people called Water Smart. I said Water Smart, yeah, mm -hmm. sorry. Can you explain a little bit about what Water Smart is? I know Megan's very familiar with it also, but talk about Water Smart and how that's really helped some folks. So 
to the metering, uh, to, to the metering point, the meters are all automatic. We can read from a computer. It can monitor and does monitor on a regular basis. We've got WaterSmart, which it will alert a customer if they sign up to receive alerts that uh, there's a potential leak or if there's any kind of an issue, any irregularity, it can notify people of that and bring that to their attention. When I was in the utility department just a couple weeks ago, we had somebody come up and they had an alert that said that they had a leak and we helped them work through that. So it, it can save people a lot of money. Because if you have... It can even be as simple as a running toilet. Yep. Uh, the amount of water that a running toilet can generate and, and cost someone is significant. And, you know, the, the hard reality is the homeowner or the tenant is responsible for that bill. Um, so it's to their benefit to sign up for these alerts because, you know, they're going to have to pay that bill if it's $30 for a regular month or if it's $300 because they've had some leak in it. We certainly want people to sign up for WaterSmart because it helps them and us. Absolutely. So if we would go the whole month without reading a meter, without that alert, somebody could have a busted pipe in a crawl space and they would never even know about it right. until they got a giant water bill. And, you know, that really prevents not only big bills, but it also allows somebody to make a repair if they need to without causing more problems. Right. I think what I love about WaterSmart, I mean, we've had it personally, which saved us some money, but it's, you know, if you look at how cities make money, you know, having a program where we're telling people, hey, we want you to know <laughs> you've got a leak that could potentially cost you a lot of money. You know, all joking aside, that we lose money at that point, you know, and we're, we're saying, look, we, we value the customer more because we want them to, to not have to deal with certain things, uh, even though it we won't get as much revenue back. Um, I just that's one of the things that I love about it is, you know, it, it is truly a free uh, system for the community um, to, to help them save as much money as they can. And it's also about conservation, too. So right. if somebody right. knows that they have an issue or they're using more water than what they usually do, it also makes them mindful of that and aware of that. So maybe they use less water or they cut some things back because a lot of people are environmentally conscious, as they should be. And so right. it's really important to understand what your consumption is and be able to make adjustments on your own based off of your lifestyle. Is there anything you want to say about you know, any, anything about utilities that we haven't covered, you want somebody to know that they absolutely need to. Here's one thing I would give you. Like, what is a what is a property owner or a customer's responsibility? What you want them to know with regard to utilities? So I think that just utilities can be very complicated. Bills can be complicated on their own. And I think that the most important thing just to pass on to people is that we have really, really awesome staff. And if anybody ever has any question no matter how silly you may think it is, um, it's not. And we take every question and concern very seriously and try to help people. So we're here to help and we want to help. So reach out if you've ever got any kind of an issue. You're going to talk to a real person and they're all very knowledgeable. So That's awesome. You mentioned something that triggered something in my mind. There's more than one way to get your water bill, right? You can get it in the mail or as Megan mentioned, we can email it to you. So if you are maybe conscious of the environment, don't necessarily want another piece of paper printed, we can email your water bill to you. Sure can. So you can go to our website and you can find out how to do that on our utility billing page. Okay, great. Now let's go to the thing that nobody wants to talk about or wants to <laughs> taxes, <laughs> which is another key part of what we have, another division that is under. Who is this Rita person that we keep hearing about and people keep playing about? Is there some lady named Rita 
that works in the tax office? Well, I wish that I could say that that answer is yes, but no, it would be a lot cooler if Rita was a real person, right. but Rita stands for the Regional Income Tax Authority. So it's actually an organization that we pay a percentage of our revenues to, to manage our uh, income tax collections. Because that's a big job. I mean, we would have to have more, way more staff than we currently have to track all that. They're able to do it for us, provide us the information that we need uh, at a much more reasonable cost than if we were to do that ourselves. Right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, the staff that it would take, I mean, this, the fee that we pay Rita is one and a half percent of what we bring in. And so that equals about $150,000 a year. And that may seem like a lot of money, but once you pay somebody a salary and then you pay all their benefits, which are usually, you know, equal to somebody's salary, which effectively doubles it, right. that, that would be, you know, one person, maybe. Yeah, not not that many people. So, and it takes a lot more people than that. Um, they're able to provide a great service. They they collect all of the revenues. They run reports. They can make projections for us if we say, "Hey, we want to tweak this or that." What effect would that have? They do a lot more than just taking the money. They really do help advise too. That's a good thing to say. I mean, they are certainly there to help you. Um, but yeah, Rita is a great resource for us. They've been very helpful as. And really, I think help a lot of people as they go to file. The good thing about that is uh, there's other communities. So if you want to, you know, Rita has an office in the city of Xenia. Mm -hmm. uh, so if you have a question and want to see somebody from Rita, you're welcome to go there and they'll help you even though you're in Fairborn. But also we have two tax clerks that can come and answer any questions that you have here as well. We do. So Rondi and Rhonda and Christy totally botched that. They are really awesome, uh, friendly, knowledgeable, and they can help answer any questions. If you want to talk to somebody, uh, we do have somebody here in the office, but you do have the option of going to Rita and Xenia too and visiting with one of those folks. You mentioned at the very beginning, uh, we tax income, right? And so, and this was a big thing when we did our income tax increase, talking about the types of income that are taxed. We only are looking for uh, made income, earned income, they call it. So do we, in looking through that, we don't tax retirement benefits, right? No. If somebody's on a disability and gets Social Security, we do not tax that. No. Nope. Uh, but if you have a job and you earn wages or you have investments and that make money or you have a rental property that you get income from, that's all taxed. Yes. Okay. So it's basically any wages that you make and then also any income that you would bring in from any sort of a business that you would uh, be operating, which if you have a rental, that's a business. Sure. So the folks that are required to file taxes in Fairborn are all residents, right? Yes. Um, now, if you are a retired person and you don't have any income and don't pay tax, you can file a form and not have to file every year. But if you earn income throughout the year, then you still have to file. Uh, what about businesses? How do businesses file taxes in Fairborn? So businesses, they go through RITA, of course. Right. And so they have, depending on the type of business that they have, they would have different uh, reports that they would have to fill out. Most of them are quarterly, I believe, that they that they file with RITA in order to uh, advise them of the employees that they have and the income that they have and their projections and things like that. So. Okay. So even though you live in Fairborn, but maybe you work in another community that does withhold your taxes, you still need to file in Fairborn, correct? Yes, you file where you live. Okay. And then that's where we talk about the credit, where they just talk about the income taxes that they pay in the other community. We do not tax them more, and we go on about our business. Yep. 
You got it. And it can it can get confusing. I know there are some folks that have some questions about that, but the key is reach out to our department and we'll help you navigate it. Absolutely. In a lot of cases, I'll actually file it for you if you come into the office and, yep. and need some help, they'll do it for you. Pretty cool service. Um, and when do people have to file taxes in Fairborn? So April 15th, traditionally, right. is when you have to <laughs> file taxes, but pandemic era, it is kind of a moving target. You never okay. really know when that day might be keeps getting kicked down the road a little bit. Right, right. And if it's the 15th falls on a Saturday, it's usually the Monday after that. Yep, yep. All right, good. Um, Anything I've forgotten? Megan, you got anything else you want to talk about? No. What else in the finance department that's really cool that we can talk about? So we have uh, a really great staff, which I think is awesome. They are all very helpful. No matter what you need, uh, you've got somebody that's super knowledgeable and friendly and excited to talk uh, to you about whatever it is that you might need. So definitely reach out if you need anything and we're here to help. And that's probably the the coolest thing about uh, the finance department is just you have a lot of people that are very community focused. So that's really great. Again, another department that has a lot of Fairborn people working in it that are from Fairborn, live in Fairborn. I mean, we've got that throughout our departments, but finance is no exception. Yep. No exception. Great. And they do payroll. That's yeah, that's that's the that's the part. They also pay all the city yeah. employees. So, yeah, right? that's, that's part of the. That's a, that's a I forgot about that one. That's, that's a okay. That's, yeah, that's inside baseball, right? <laughs> all right. Anything else, Megan, Melissa? Thanks. Appreciate man. being with us. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, that's uh, episode twelve of the finance department. I told you it's going to be exciting. Riveting. Um, we'll have, uh, I think, one more episode. We're going to do a wrap up here, right, Megan? And then we'll. Uh, go to season two. There will be a season two of the Government Ops Podcast. So little tease there, as they say. Uh, so thanks for listening, and we'll see you around town.